What's up, everyone? I hope you're doing well today. This is Raphael Garcia here by myself for episode 149 of the MMA Ratings Podcast. Uh, I thank you, as usual, for taking the time to listen to us on this 21st day of January. My good friend and partner, Shawan Hughes, just sent me a message saying he is out of the shows for tonight because he's at a basketball game for his little girls. As you know, we always often talk about his children on the show. They always come first. So unfortunately, he is out today, but he will be back next week. And I'm sure we will have a lot to talk about then, just like we have to talk about tonight. Now, UFC 246 is going to be the focus of tonight's show. We're also going to do some high-level previewing of UFC Raleigh, which is this weekend, the 25th. But most of our focus will be on Saturday's action due to the return of Conor McGregor. But before I do that, just a little bit of housekeeping. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. You can follow MMA Ratings on uh, Instagram and Twitter at MMA Ratings Net. You can catch us on uh, YouTube at MMA Ratings. And also you can go to our website at MMARatings.net where you can rate the fights. Let us know what you thought about all the action from start to finish using our 10-star system, and you can also tell us how excited you are for the upcoming of fights. Again, that is MMARatings.net, where you can go check out all the work that I write, Adam Martin writes, Michael does some writing, Shawan as well, but the big caveat there is you'll be able to go to the site and rate the fights and tell us what you think before, during, and after. And you can always follow me at rgarcia underscore sports where I'm talking MMA, uh, professional wrestling, just to, just about everything from within the com, uh, within the combat sports space and uh, sports beyond as well too. So again, thank you for taking the time to check us out tonight, and I hope you enjoyed the show as I'm going to be talking about UFC 246 and UFC Raleigh. So the first part of the show is, of course, we're going to talk about the big fight from this past Saturday, where Conor McGregor fought Donald Cerrone, and you can use, well, I'm not going to say use the term fight loosely because it was a 40-second drumming where McGregor got to finish via strikes in round one of the main event, and this is a pretty big moment for a number of reasons. In my opinion, looking at how the fight result went down, I think this is the best possible um, outcome for McGregor and the UFC. He regained some of that mystique he had back when he was knocking out Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, Eddie Alvarez, and all those uh, opponents. And the UFC gets their biggest drawback. And they get him back in a way without the throwing of the dolly and all those other shenanigans. They still have, we still have to have a conversation about the two sexual um, assault investigations going on in Ireland. I'm going to touch on that in a second. But in regards to what happened inside the Octagon on Saturday, this was the best possible outcome for the organization and McGregor as a whole. He immediately uh, inserts himself into the big fight picture at welterweight and um, lightweight. UFC President Dana White is already pushing for the rematch with Khabib Nurmagomedov. And at first glance, that may seem like the bigger fight to make. But after, you know, I was actually doing some thinking today in the gym, and I was wondering if that's the fight to go or if they should go and make the Jorge Masvidal fight first. In my opinion, I think the Masvidal fight should come first because losing that fight, I think, loses. You lose a lot for nearly everyone involved. I think that this this fight reminds me of what we had back in the day when we had GSP and uh, Anderson Silva so close 
to each other in weight class and so close to each other in dominance, and the UFC cannot get them into the cage together. That fight lost the immediate, the, the moment guys started losing and GSP stepped away from the, the, the sport, that's, that fight lost all of its cachet. And we don't want to see the same thing happen to McGregor and Masvidal here. If you took Connor and put him against Khabib, that's a fight that I think he still loses to this day. If you took Jorge and put him against uh, Kamaru Usman, I think that's a fight that he loses. And that immediately takes all the all the value out of this fight when it comes to McGregor and Masvidal. I think that that fight needs to be made first, and you go from there. On one hand, everyone's talking about the Khabib rematch as if he doesn't have to fight Tony Ferguson in April coming up. Everyone's talking about uh, that fight as if it hasn't even happened yet. It's a foregone conclusion that, almost as if it's a foregone conclusion that Khabib will defeat Tony. And we've seen crazier things happen in MMA. So I don't think that it's, it's fair to Tony Ferguson, who hasn't lost since, in what, 12 fights or something like that? Something ridiculous, who hasn't lost in years, to almost overlook him and, almost, and act like he doesn't have a shot at taking the lightweight title. So I think that there's some pause that needs to be given to automatically believing that Khabib is going to face Conor McGregor next. Then on the other side of that, I think that it's also um, important to book that fight because the the Masvidal McGregor fight because McGregor has been talking about he's not talking about opponents he's talking about dates and the March card is what he is kind of looking at next I can't remember who currently is the headliner for that March card let me see if I can pull it up real quick but the fact that he's talking about fighting in March I think that that's that booking that fight against Masvidal is the right way to go especially then because you already have the hype and anticipation for both men. They were talking to Masvidal cage side throughout the night, showing him on the camera multiple times throughout the night. His uh, media scrum from the week is trending. And while Kamar Usman may be the champion, there really isn't any, uh, there really isn't a, a lot of people calling for that fight. And the March UFC card is UFC 248 which is Adesanya versus Romero. That's also in Las Vegas. Now, you have Adesanya and Romero as the headliner of that card, but I wouldn't be mad if Conor McGregor stepped in and um, made that the main event. You already have three, uh, excuse me, two title fights scheduled for that bout. You have Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero. You also have Wiley Zhang versus Joanna Janjacek. But adding a third title fight blows that fight card out, out the water, and especially if it's... Um, that one, and I'm not saying that the Masvidal-McGregor fight is a quote-unquote title fight, but it is a fight that, you know, they could hype up that BMF title and, and do all that nonsense. So in my opinion, I've actually kind of just switched my thoughts about that uh, in the last hour or so as I, as I was listening to earlier thinking about this. But I do believe that the right angle to go for McGregor next is to book him against Jorge Masvidal and get that fight out of the way while we can still make that big fight big fight deal, get everybody paid, and that automatically increases, that fight would increase the interest in both men. I could see, man, the promotion around that would be amazing, and there's so many, there's so much opportunity for both of those guys in, in UFC as a whole. They are the organization's two biggest stars right now, and I think leveraging that while you still can 
is key. Strike, striking while the iron is hot is big in um, promotion, and the iron is will not be as hot as it is right now for the idea of putting McGregor and Masvidal in the cage together. So I think that that's the way that they need to go. Another thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to McGregor is how well did he look? Uh, we didn't we didn't get much from him. Um, like I said, we only got 40 seconds worth of action, but in what we saw, it was enough that it allows us to get excited about what's next without having the questions that we needed to have answered um, complete after UFC 246. Having those questions still out there gives us an opportunity to anticipate what's going to happen uh, when he and Masvidal face off or whoever he does contest the, uh, face off against next. Does he still have cardio issues? Does he still, um, is his grappling better? Is his takedown defense better? Like all of these types of questions still linger. Does his power translate at 170 pounds? You know, he can, you can say, yeah, you know, he knocked out Donald Cerrone, but Donald Cerrone has also fought most of his career at uh, lightweight. When he faced against, when he faced off against bigger welterweights, we saw what his, uh, where the, the struggle was with him being able to take power. So, I don't think all of those questions are answered per, uh, uh, quite yet based on what we saw at UFC 246, but I think we still saw enough that it gets people excited for what's going to happen next and it gets people excited for anything that he could be involved with. So I think that this is the right time, as I just mentioned, to strike while the iron is hot and get him in there with Jorge Masvidal. When it comes to Donald Cerrone and asking what's next, my First thought is, I hope it's time off. This man has fought a murderer's row since joining the UFC, and I mean, he continues to do so. Look, in the last calendar year, and this is just the last 12 months, so let's go back to January of 2019. He's fought Alex, Alex Hernandez, Al Iaquinta, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, and Conor McGregor. He lost the last three be a TKO and he hasn't made it out of the second round. Yes, you know, we love the idea of Donald Cerrone being that cowboy, that gunslinger who steps into the cage anytime the UFC asks him. We all love that. We all um, enjoy that. And we all think the most of um, think the most of him and everyone's always excited when he does that. But at some point in time, we gotta say we gotta ask him to dial it back just a little bit. Yes, he loves fighting, yes, he loves to get in there and uh, keep the crowd excited. But at some point in time, we need to talk about dialing it back just, just, a, just a tad, just a tad, and giving him an opportunity to recover from these fights before going out there and doing it again. He's 36 years old. I think he turns, he turns 37 in March. So, yeah, let's start having those conversations about winding it back just a little bit. This man doesn't need to fight so many times in a year. I mean, in 2019, he fought four times. 2018, he fought three. 2017, he fought three. 2016, he fought four. 2015, he fought four times. 2014, he fought one, two, three, four, four times. 2013, he fought four times. 2012, he fought twice. 2011, he fought Let's see, one, two, three, four, five times. I mean, this guy's fighting damn near once a quarter. 
that's just bonkers. Once a quarter, and if you think like that's, you have no time to recover, no time to get built back up for the next, for the next fight. There's so much, so much to really unpack there that I think that it's time that we just ask him to take a little bit of time off, come back, and let's get excited about him coming back because I think he could still offer some value to the organization. Uh, if he's booked in the right type of, of matches. This guy, he's not a bum. He's not going out here losing to just uh, jobbers off, off the street. Excuse me. Look who he's losing to. Conor McGregor, former champion. Justin Gaethje, he was a World Series of Fighting champion. Arguably top three contender to the lightweight title. Tony Ferguson, former interim champion. No more contender to the title. Leon Edwards, welterweight contender. Darren Till, former middle, uh, he challenged for the middleweight title. Robbie Lawler, former champion. Jorge Masvidal, probably number two welterweight contender, former strike force challenger. Rafael Dos Anjos, former champion. Um, who else is he losing to? Rafael Dos Anjos again, former champion. Anthony Pettis, former champion. Nate Diaz, we know who Nate Diaz is. Benson Henderson, former champion. Jamie Varner, former champion. I mean, he's only getting beat up by, or he's only getting defeated by guys who have tasted gold or are right at the cusp of tasting gold. So it's still too soon to say that uh, Donald Cerrone is done, and I'm doing that in air quotes, but he still needs some time away, and I hope he takes a step back and is given the opportunity to just take some time off, take some time off, recover, come back as, come back well-rested, healthy. I mean, I would be happy if he sat out to, let's say, September. August, come back then, fight one time, maybe one more time for the end of the year, do your thing, be healthy, and uh, bring back the cowboy of, of old. But going, but getting right back on the proverbial horse and getting right back into the octagon, I think it's going to lead to more damage than it does good. I wanted to move on from this and talk about the rest of UFC 246. And what was interesting about this car heading into it is a lot of people were talking about how bad the card was and it wasn't a lot of value on it me personally when i looked at the card i was like this is this is, looks like a good card to me i'm interested in a lot of these fights and i want to see what comes out from all all of this action now the only fight i wasn't that interested in was holly Holm and raquel pennington and you kind of saw why we know who holly Holm is and she is the type of fight she is Going to do what's necessary to get the win. Can she knock people out? Yep, we've seen that time and time again. But she's changed her style now that she can not only do a, do enough point striking, but she can also grapple well enough to um, negate a lot of the a lot of the offense that her opponents um, have. And she does enough that she negates offense and scores enough points to win in the in the judges' eyes. And that's what she did to Raquel Pennington here. Raquel Pennington may have said that she didn't want, she wanted to fight and she didn't want to hug, which is a great one-liner, a great little snippet of an interview. But when you are fighting MMA, you have to be able to dictate where the fight takes place. And if you can't get yourself off the cage, if you can't get out the clinch, if you can't create separation, you're playing into your opponent's um, strengths. And that's exactly what happened here with Holly Holm. We've seen her build up her ability to grapple since probably the Misha Tate loss. And she continues to improve in that area. The Megan Anderson victory was a big eye-opener for a lot of people. Uh, this fight here, I'm not going to say it was an eye-opener to anyone, but it shows that she's willing to be able to do enough to defeat the uh, the non-champion caliber of the women's bantamweight and uh, featherweight division. I mean, the same deal goes with 
home that goes with Cerrone. She's only lost to champions. Uh, she's lost to, pull it real quick, Amanda Nunez, double champion. Christine Justino, featherweight champion. Jermaine Deronomy, featherweight champion. Just fought for the bantamweight title. Valentina Shevchenko fought for the bantamweight title, flyweight champion. Misha Tate, former champion. So it's hard to say that, yeah, she's um, on her way out. She's 38 years old, but she the, the, the people coming up can't beat her. She can't get back to being a um, a champion. So what do you do with her? I think you just let her keep fighting you and you figure out how to get her in front of people that aren't up-and-comers at a time when they can't defeat her. But she did what she needed to do to get the job done on Saturday, and I'm not mad at her for it. Um, Alexi Olenek versus Maurice Green. I'm not really going to talk about that fight too much. It was what it was. It was exactly what we thought it was going to be. Uh, Alexi trying to get the takedown, get to uh, submission position. That's just what he did. And we saw how that played out for Maurice Green. Maurice Green did the best he could fighting everything off. But at the end of the day, he couldn't get the, um, he couldn't get the job done. Because he got himself arm barred. He almost got himself Ezekiel choked and, and scarfold and uh, basically headlocked choked a couple or headlocked a couple times. But I mean he, he did the best he could. I'm not even gonna be mad at him for that. Uh Alexi Onik is one of those guys, as I tweeted out on Saturday, I would love to see him come to my gym and just watch him beat up on the young guys. I got a couple guys that popped out to my name popped out into my mind right now that I would immediately pair him against because he's 47 years old. He's out there doing the damn thing. And I mean, I, I can't be mad at this victory. So what else do we have? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Brian Kelleher. I mean, that was a sick choke that he tried to fit. He um, finished. Uh, not really too much to talk about there. Diego Fereja and Anthony Pettis. I mean, Diego did the damn thing. He went out there, was able to thwart Anthony Pettis' striking, get into grappling range, and secure the finish via rear naked choke. I don't know if that's more of, an, of a boost for Diego than it is an indictment for Anthony. He just, he just doesn't seem like Showtime anymore. Uh, let's see what his record has looked like up to this point. Anthony Pettis has lost his last two. To Nate Diaz, Diego Ferreira, uh, and he also lost to Tony Ferguson. Dustin Poirier, he's been exchanging wins and losses for the last three, four, four years. Um, I mean, since defeating Gilbert Melendez, he's gone one, two, three, he's gone four and three and eight, four and eight in, in the UFC. I didn't know it was that bad. But he's gone four and eight in the UFC since dropping, uh, since f defeating Gilbert Melendez, and that's pretty, wow, that's pretty telling there. I don't know if he's going to end up in Bellator like his brother Sergio, but I, but I did not realize that his record had gotten that bad. Um, and he's losing to guys again. He, uh, look who he's losing to: Rafael dos Anjos, former champion; Eddie Alvarez, former champion. Max Holloway, former champion, Dustin Poirier, former interim champion, Toya Ferguson, former interim champion, uh, Nate Diaz, Edson Barbosa, and Diego Fadeja, though, you got to look at those fights and wonder if perhaps his time has come. Uh, again, he's still relatively young. Let me see how old he is. Uh, 
he is. He's only 30, uh, he's 32 years old. He's a little bit older than I thought he was. So, yeah, you got to wonder what, what his stock is left with the UFC and if they'll keep him around. I would not be surprised if this was his last appearance in the Octagon. Diego, on the, on the other hand, he's won six straight, I believe. Pull up his record. Oh, he's won, yes, he's won six straight and three by stoppage, three by submission. I think this guy gets a top 10 uh, opponent next, and I'm I'm interested in seeing what he does because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of grappling. And there was a lot of grappling, a lot of clean, consistent, strong grappling on um, UFC 246 across the card. You had a bunch of um, submission submission wins, and you had also a bunch of people using grappling to dominate the position battle, which I also think is important, especially these next two fights here, where you have Roxanne Modifari defeating Macy Barber. Roxanne was the biggest underdog on this card, and this win here was important. Man, you can't keep counting out Roxanne. She was an underdog when she fought Antonia Shevchenko. She won that fight. She was an underdog when she fought Macy Barber. She wins here as well. She is currently ranked number five in the division behind Jennifer Maya, Joanne Calderwood, Jessica I, and Caitlin Shukagian. So I, I am not saying Roxanne will rise up to be a title, contender, a title contender at any point, but she just keeps getting better and she continues to go out there and just exemplify everything that martial arts means. I mean, she is, let's see how old she is. She's 37. She's been fighting since, I think it was 2003. I looked this up while I was writing about, yeah, she's been fighting since 2003. And she just keeps getting win after win after win. I mean, she's, uh, she keeps, well, she's more at a position where she's exchanging wins and losses. You know, she fought for the title against Nico Montano. She lost there. Then, um, she defeated Barb Honchak, lost this, lost this to Jara Eubanks, defeated Antonia Shevchenko, lost to Jennifer Meyer. What's important about this is that she's not, she's not getting stopped. I mean, she hasn't been stopped since, man, the last time Roxanne Martifari was stopped was back in 2011 when Barb Honchak submitted her, a fight which she's gotten the, um, revenge for. She's been stopped four times in her professional career. The last time was back in 2011. So, I mean, she's still, so she's doing it. She's doing it. I don't know what the UFC wants to do with her. I think she has a great story. I love her. I think people cheer her on just because she's such a lovable hero that people can look up to, both male and female. It's, it's just, I wonder what they are going to do with her long term. They can't, I don't think they're going to throw her into the title picture yet. Uh, she has lost to Jennifer Maya, who's ranked number four. So you may be Joanne, uh, Joanne Calderwood and Jessica I at some point in time. We'll see. I wouldn't be mad at either one, either one of those fights, and I wouldn't, and I would guarantee you she's not going to be as big of a underdog either during those times. I also want to talk about Macy Barber and the injuries she suffered. Uh, reports are that she suffered a full ACL tear, and the question I have, I'm actually going to be writing about that tonight, is whether or not her corner should have stopped that fight, which I think is an important question because, in my opinion, I think they should have. At 21 years old, you don't want to risk that much. You don't want to risk the damage to that, that knee as she was um, suffering because clearly she was in pain. She was screaming out every time she tried to stand up. She couldn't stand up towards the end, end of the fight. 
she tried to do all of all of her grappling and yeah she got some better positions she was able to reverse i think just just had a brute strength and get and be able to get on top but she couldn't do anything with it and uh Modifari was able to reverse the position to get back on top. And what's also important and worth noting here is that Modifari said she didn't want to target Macy Barber's leg, which, in my opinion, is speaks so much of Roxanne Modifari in, in her, uh, I guess, her personality and morals. I don't necessarily say morals per se, but if that was my fighter and you see your opponents hurt like that, I'm like, yo, leg kicks all day every day we're chopping that leg out and we're going to make a quit but Roxanne didn't go that route and I mean she's better than me I would have that would have been a strategy the minute she messed up her um leg I think it's also interesting that the ref allowed it to go on because it was clear that Macy Barber could not walk it was almost clear like when she when she tried to get up after the ref checked her knee I mean it was clear that she was using her poker face and yeah she's tough she's gritty for that but who boy um we're, we're gonna see what her return might look like i hope we're not seeing some type of long-term damage that limits her career i um joe rogan should have snatched the microphone away from her because she, she should i mean you lost should have never been on the mic but she's actually uh taking away from roxanne's moment talking about her injury allowed roxanne to shine though she was beating you before you got hurt but you know, it, it is what it is, uh, and I don't think Macy Barber would have been able to stop her from taking her back down and getting back to dominant position again like she uh, did in the first round. So the other fight I wanted to talk about was uh, Sadiq Youssef and Andre Feely. We saw that Youssef got, I mean, this was a fight of different layers. At one point, it was a back-and-forth striking affair where... Feely was landing, but Yusef was definitely landing the bigger, harder shots. Anytime he landed a shot, you saw Yusef's head, or excuse me, Feely's head snap back almost to like looking the other direction. He was taking a lot, a lot, a lot of big shots there. So Sadiq did what he needed to do. He was able to grapple um, throughout the second round as well. I think he got a 10-8 on one scorecard there. Uh, I saw a few people talking about how his cardio is still questionable. I didn't see that per so much but i wonder if that's really the case i think he needs to get a top uh, 10 to 15 ranked opponent for his next fight at featherweight that would put him in there against let's see i'm near some names mirasag betix ryan hall that fight right there ryan hall is looking for a fight nobody wants to fight him oh that, that, that i think that would be a tough tough ask for hall you got shane burgos and Calvin Cater. So I think that there's some um, there's some opportunity with each one of those men. Me personally, I would like to see that Ryan Hall fight. So let's see if they can get that fight booked because um, the, the Jiu-Jitsu Wizard has been looking for a fight for a long time. And even though he's called out Jose Aldo and Frank Yeager, let's get him and uh, Sodiki there together and see what kind of comes out of that fight. Uh, let's see what else. I don't really want to talk about too much else. From the card on Saturday, uh, Sabina Mezo, she looked, she was able to adjust. I was actually surprised she got the split decision there. I don't remember the third round, but I think that JJ Aldrich was was doing enough. I thought she was going to get the um, get the decision there. Alexa Alexka Alexka Kamar over Justin Ledet. Okay, whatever. Drew Dober knocking the hell out of um, Nasserat Hakparas. I think that's how you say his name in the first round. That was a good one there. 
Aksar Askarov blasting Tim Elliott in the first round, but being able unable to finish him, I think that was big there too. But Tim Elliott, man, I don't know what the hell he was doing, allowing himself to get punched in the face for that third round. Cause I think he still could have stole a victory there if he was actually fighting back. But when you allow yourself to get punched in the face like that, you're going to lose 10 times out of 10. So UFC 246 was a much stronger card than I think people wanted to give the event credit for. I enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, I, you know, we got a big moment with Conor McGregor at, at the top, and we're going to see what's next for him. I'm My vote is on the Justin, I'll see that justification. My fight is on the Jorge Masvidal bout. But we'll see. There's money to be made, and let's see what happens when this fight goes down at some point in time in the future. He's talking about March. I hope we get we get him. I hope A he stays out of trouble. B we get to the we get to the the culmination of those uh, allegations and investigations in Ireland. We find out what really happened there, and if he is found uh, guilty or if he's found you know have done something wrong, he should be he should face the um, the punishment. And if not, let him keep fighting. Let him get on the march card. For the second round of today's action, we're going to talk about uh, UFC Raleigh, which goes down this Saturday in North Carolina, where I am from. Not from the Raleigh area, but still, maybe about an hour away, two hours max. And this card, if people thought UFC 245 wasn't a strong card, this card is about as strong as olive oil from Popeye because there's nothing of value on this card from top to bottom. Um, we have a heavyweight clash between Curtis Blaze and Junior Dos Santos. Um, you know, I shrug because I don't know if either one of these guys are heavyweight contenders or heavyweight challengers again. I think Stipe Miocic beats both of them. I think, Frank, well, Francis Ngannou has beaten both of them. So, you know, like what... Yeah, they fight. We, I think Curtis Blaze is ranked number four in the division. Let me see. Curtis Blaze is ranked number three. Junior Dos Santos is ranked number four. Okay, we get these two guys fight. I don't think anyone of them gets a, a title shot off of a victory here. We don't really know what's going on with the heavyweight uh, title picture right now, but you know, we'll figure it out. What I'm interested most of in this card here is Rafael Desanos versus Michael Chiesa. I think this is a big fight for them both because Michael Chiesa has looked good at welterweight. Let me see. He, I think he's only fight, fought once in that weight class so far. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. No, he's fought twice. And he looked good against um, Diego Sanchez. I mean, it's Diego Sanchez, and he submitted Carlos Condit in the second round. So I'm interested in seeing what Michael Kiesa looks like again at 170. He's facing a tough, tough, tough out in Rafael dos Santos. Rafael dos Santos is a guy who continues to excel, even though he's only won one in his last four. Again, he's another one of those guys. He lost to Leon Edwards, top contender, Kamaru Usman, former champion, or excuse me, current champion, Kobe Covington, former interim champion. Tony Ferguson, former interim. Eddie, former champion. Khabib, champion. So he's only lost recently to the upper echelons of the division. So let's see what this fight looks like. It's, I, I can't wait to see what this bout looks like. I think that they both offer enough striking that there'll be some action there. 
But I want to see what this fight looks like on the ground. You know, I'm, I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I always get excited when you have two guys that can really compete and mix it up on the floor. So I'm looking forward to this fight as well. I don't, again, this is another one of those fights. I think this whole card is filled with that, where you have people fighting, kind of jockeying for mid-tier position in their rankings. Because you have the two that are ranked in the heavyweight division, and then you have these two guys fighting at welterweight and Rafael dos Santos is five. Michael Kiss is not ranked at all. So this is a bigger opportunity for him. Let's see what that looks like if he can uh get the um if he can get a situation if he can get a strong victory here. So let's see what that kinda uh looks like for me because I don't I wonder I wonder if Kiss is gonna be able to get the job done at a time where Dos Anjos isn't surging and i actually look at the rankings i just saw something quite comical here so at welterweight conor mcgregor was number 14 but somehow he also went up at lightweight to number three and justin gacy went down from three to four hmm. question mark i'm inserting my emoji and me rubbing my chin questioningly looking at these numbers but you know it is what it is and we know that these rankings are basically a sham so it's still kind of comical to see something like that what else on this card seems out to me? Angela Hill, you know, I'm always going to um, talk about her whenever she has the opportunity to fight. She's one of the only women of African-American descent. I think there's, I think there's like three or four black women on the UFC roster at most, I believe three or four, and she's definitely the most well-known one. So I would li- I love to see her kind of do well across the board. She needs a win. On Saturday, she's fighting Hannah Seifers, and I think she needs a, I think she she needs a dominant type of win because um, she last fought back in September, where she got the victory via doctor stoppage. She lost in June of last. So she let me see. In 2019, she went two and two. 2018, she went two and two. Uh, 2017. She lost to Jessica. Just oh, she came back to the UFC after getting cut, and had a pretty good fight with Jessica Andrade. So I mean, she's been doing okay, um, but I think she needs to look good and she needs to kind of perform very well in this fight card here to not lose her spot in um, on the UFC roster. Roster. And Cephas is riding a two-fight win streak, only losing to Macy Barber uh in the ufc so let's see what what this bout looks like but this is a big 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 opportunity for both women but i think angela hill needs to get the win in order to keep her job at uh within the ufc what else stands out here nick lentz is on the card um sarah mcmahon i think she's another one sarah mcmahon is another one of those um fighters so i want to look at something because i think she's in danger of getting liz carmouche what I mean by that is she's someone that can continue to defeat top, top, top contenders, but um, the people coming up the ladder run into a problem when facing off with her. Yes, she's lost her last two. She hasn't fought since 2018. I think she had an injury issue. Uh, so let's see what she looks like facing off against Lena Landsberg. I even think if she loses, I think that they still keep her around. Um, she's 39 years old. She's turning 40 this year. I didn't realize she was that old, but... Um, you know, let's see what she looks like coming into this fight. I think this is Lena Landsberg's fight to win. Lena is 37 as well. She is riding a two-fight win streak. She defeated Tanya Eminger and Macy Chieson. 
So let's see how she looks. She's been in the UFC for a lot longer than I remember too. Or I remember she came in to fight um, Cyborg. So yeah, that this fight has some value as well too. But I don't think that I, I think that it's more about whether or not Sarah McMahon still gets an opportunity to continue fighting within the UFC. So all in all, everyone, that is our show for this evening. As I said, Schwan Humes was unable to join us today because he is with the kids tonight. So let's be sure to welcome him back next week when he comes and joins me on the show. If you have any questions for him about UFC 246, about any of the action coming from UFC Raleigh, please shoot us a note on Instagram or Twitter. And we'll gladly get you covered here. Um, my name is Rafael Garcia. You can follow me at rgarcia underscore sports, where I cover martial arts, combat sports, professional wrestling, so and so, and so on and so on. Uh, Jordan, uh, Schwan Hughes and Clark, catching up the Black Jordan Breen on um, on Twitter. Excuse me, I just had a complete brain fart. You can catch our peer, um, Adam Martin, as well, at MMA Adam Martin, and also um, our editor, Michael Ford, MTF Ford III, you can catch him as well, or MTF Third. you can catch him at three eyes, Roman numerals, you can catch him there as well, too. As usual, thank you all for uh, listening to us. This is episode 149 of MMA Ratings Podcast. My name is Rafael Garcia. Thank you, everyone, and have a great week.